It's animation celery. Crunchy conversations about rainy cartoons. You are brave, and that's a fact. You will do the high wire act. I'm Micah. And I'm Matsy. This is a podcast where we talk about cartoons. Specifically, we give each other cartoons that we need to watch, and then we review and discuss them the following neek. Neek? Week. Following neek? The following neek. This neek, it's been raining nonstop in Vancouver, although it did stop today. (laughs) But uh, because of that, we're looking at shorts that have something to do with rain. So I gave Micah an old Looney Tune called I Wanna Be a Sailor and something from the National Film Board of Canada called S-P-L-A-S-H, Splash. And he confused me with similar titles from the Far East. The Song for Rain and the Song of the Rain. And we'll get wet in a second, but maybe first we can talk about whatever else we want to talk about, starting with Micah. Well, one thing about these shorts, I think last week I said that one of them was Korean. What was I thinking? They're both Chinese. Yeah, I I, noticed that. Yeah, I stumbled into a pattern without realizing it. Anyway. Okay. So, uh, at various times on uh, this segment, I've talked about platform fighters. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mentioned about the Nick, a couple times about the Nickelodeon fighter. And I'm pretty sure I mentioned the... uh, uh, the DC, not DC, but the uh, Warner Brothers fighter. Oh, I think you mentioned that at some point. Yeah. 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 And there's news for both of them right now. Um, the uh, I thought the Warner one was already out, but no, it's coming out soon. And they've shown more of the gameplay. And also for the Nickelodeon one, uh, they have some more characters and XJ9 Jenny is finally in there. Hey. Yeah. That's kind of neat. Yeah, it is. So, uh, I got a little creative, and I was thinking, what if there was an animation celery platform fighter, and we, <laughs> we could just get any license we wanted? Okay, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. So, here's a character list that I've come up with for it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Dapper Denver Dooley. Oh, sure. More of him, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that at least one of his specials would summon a uh, guided missile from offstage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I figure Spartacus is a fighter. Um, so he's got like a bunch of, you know, fighting moves, but he also he'll fire darts from his wrist uh, device. And um, he has would like... One or, hmm? Would one or more of the pirates be a character as well? Maybe. I, I think for sure the... Uh, the pirate song would be in the playlist. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's got like a, a command grab from his, uh, his wrist device as well. And it, and it can tether to platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, I think warp slash chronico, depending on what suit you pick mm. would be like a puppet character. So you could have like the, uh, the hippo doll as well. And it would be like oh, your shield. That you'd, yeah switch out of oh you know what you could do with that is you could do it like the pokemon trainer in smash brothers oh yeah his down b would be to change into like yeah uh warp or chronico or the hippo yeah yeah that's a good one um yeah i figure little audrey would be a zoner with her rifle sure (laughs) and but but 
she would also have like a maintenance where you have to do like a special to make her eat candy. Oh, okay. In order to, you know, boost her efficacy, probably the her speed mostly. And if you're playing with items on, that candy counts as well. Candy uh, counts as well. Anyway, um, okay, here's, here's a good one I thought. Ludo. So a little like Bowser Jr., he would be on his spider. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and his recovery would be like an eagle that he summons, and he's got like magic attacks, you know. He's, he's, he's wielding the uh, bone wand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Ludo being the... Oh, yes, the, the, the villain the of... Kind of villain? Sure, the initial villain in, of Star versus yeah. the Forces of Evil. Yeah. Um, not a thing we've reviewed on the show, but that I've talked about a ton. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, from the National Film Board, L'Apprentice. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like the Apprentice, right? Um He'd have funny animations for one, right? Oh, um, yeah. And I figured you just he just picture him walking across the stage with his legs going everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I figured that he's got a mandolin that he breaks like a resource, right? Uh huh. And after a while, he would he would spawn a new mandolin. Uh, likewise, maybe he could fire his nose off like a dart <laughs> and regrow a See, nose eventually. I'm picturing him like in Smash Brothers, one of the uh, Animal Crossing villagers attacks us to grow a tree. Yeah, I'm just picturing that completely stymieing the apprentice. Oh, <laughs> well, I was thinking that he would sprout obnoxious flowers. Oh, sure. Yeah. One okay. of his moves. But yeah. Um, OK. Uh, the great Puccini. Um, <laughs> or you could call him Butch if you wanted to. Um, hmm. The so, yeah, that's the uh, Droopy's rival. That uh, bulldog. But in this yeah. case, we're talking about the uh, the cartoon Magical Maestro, where yeah. a wizard um, or a magician is the conductor and keeps shape changing him, keeps changing his outfits and his uh, um, his activity. So mm. likewise, you could put him into status effects where like he's the uh, uh, the cowboy uh, square dancer guy who's clapping ahead of himself for a hit zone, you know, <laughs> or the uh, the little boy with a balloon that inflates and eventually explodes. <laughs> or for like an accelerated movement, he would be the Polynesian dancer, you know, uh, swinging his arms. <laughs> going, ooh, ooh. Yeah. And, yeah. And if you stay in that mode long enough, he does that, you know, neck extension goes, hey, oh, hey you know. <laughs> I like to think that his stage with hazard on would have the conductor and it's constantly changing. Oh, sure. Like, kind of like the Wario where. It... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> uh, Maeve from Wolfwalkers. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. She'd be one of those shape-changing characters, of course. And I figure that she would, uh, one of her attributes is that she would deal damage when she footstools uh, other players by jumping off their heads. <laughs> Corporal Cape Man, because everybody's been dying for it. <laughs> you know, he'd have the... Uh, uh, the sour cream gun, of course. Oh. And I figure a lot of his moves, he'd have like lots of evasive moves, but they'd all be stumbling, you know, or like having his cape over his head and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, okay. You're like this one. Uh, Dora standpipe. So oh. she would have the stiffest animation, man. <laughs> I, I just yeah, kills yeah. me to think of her like being knocked off platform. And just tumbling, like, with her rotational point as the center of her. I'm thinking, like, you know how, um, 
in Smash Brothers, Rosalina just kind of floats around the stage. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm picturing that, like, maybe Dora, like, leans forward a little bit and there's no animation. She just kind of slides around. Sorry, I guess I got to catch people up that haven't been, like, <laughs> faithfully listening and memorizing every episode. Uh, Dora Stanpipe is from uh, the fabulous, not fabulous, the, the Dover Boys of Pimento University classic cartoon. Yeah. And uh, Corporal Cape, Cape Man is from uh, the second season of Inspector Gadget. Yeah. Um, okay. An unlockable character, you'd have to be, I think. Geppel, mm. of course. You need some Geppel's <laughs> goo. Yeah, um, yeah. Just sloshing it all over the stage, like the inkling and... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I have lots of gadgets and stuff, too, I assume. You know, we just mine the series for everything he invented. <laughs> um, uh, he's from New Adventures of He-Man. And, uh, okay, th- this is me being clever again. Donkey Kong and Princess Toadstool... Exact same move sets as Donkey Kong and Princess Peach, except that it's the Princess Toadstool of Super Mario Brothers Super Show mm. and the Donkey Kong of the Donkey Kong Country cartoon, you know, Banana Slammer. Oh, cripe. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and further, further connections to Smash Brothers, I figure when the DLC comes... If you if you buy the pass right away, then you get immediate access to Junior from Little Shop. Oh, <laughs> see, it's, okay. <laughs> it, yeah, it's hilarious because uh, the first DLC pass for Smash Brothers Ultimate got you Piranha Plant. Well, that was actually just the game. Like, if you got the game within really? like a month or two, oh of its yes, release, yes, you got Piranha Plant. Okay, well, th- then that scheme in order to parallel it. Yeah. Um, and then for a couple DLC characters, I figure uh, Wama Wink. And, oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And Dio Brando. <laughs> so what an eclectic group of characters. Well, let me see. Let me see what I can add on to this. Okay. So as soon as you said this, I was immediately thinking that Captain Lou Albano would be there. Shooting yeah. Hoagies out of his beard. Oh, and lots of, like, his recovery move would be tethering with his rubber bands in his cheeks, I think. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> as his, like, eighth alternate costume, it's a Mario suit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, they do that in Smash Brothers too. like in how Melee Mario had a Wario suit and uh, yeah, yeah. Luigi had a Mario suit. Yeah, yeah. I think they still have something like that. And Oh, I think, I think in the new Smash Brothers, it's like, um, you have the... The construction Mario from right. uh, Mario Maker. But uh, yeah, uh, what else is I thinking? Um, oh, you know, I, I thought when I was, I thought uh, Lou Albano as well. But then I thought maybe uh, Junkyard Dog would be better. But he doesn't mean as much to the show, to, to our no. podcast. So, yeah. No. Um, how about Spinel? Spinel? Spinel, the... the um, the cloying friend gem in Steven Universe movie. Oh, huh. We could definitely have a Steven Universe representative. Yeah. Or I, I guess I guess if you're thinking even closer to the show, the representative would be uh, Opal. Yeah. The giant woman. Or. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, the oh, I can't remember the guy's name, but the dude with the T-shirt. Oh, Bud. Buck? I think is it? Buck? Buck, Buck, I think. Okay. Buck yeah, Dewey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah. Well, oh my god, what moveset would that guy have, though? <laughs> uh, just a t-shirt gun. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I thought for stages, I thought of some... Okay. The hunger stage would be a real fright fest. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yes. so hunger is this short that is one of the, like, a really old computer animated short, and it's just kind of nightmare fuel. Everything morphs into another, and it's a commentary about... Uh, consumerism um hmm. and it's got a really crazy soundtrack that would also be pretty rad um i think the great piggy bank robbery would be a good stage too yes with lots yeah, of like yeah lots of crooks in the background yes exactly mm. um <laughs> neon noodle he would like unwind from from <laughs> from being <laughs> spelling eat at joe's yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, uh, I figure Doomsday from the real Ghostbusters would be a pretty good stage, too. You know, with, like, uh, mm, mortals right. in the slave galley and the, the uh, Frank Welker tree and everything. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, probably there's got to be a Binding of Isaac level as well. <laughs> 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 wow. Okay. Um, how about... The back lot from Cats Don't Dance. Oh, with, yeah. With various animals, like, playing that washboard or whatever. Or the, the bottles that you liked. Oh, sure. Uh, oh, that one's tournament legal. Yeah, yeah. Um, would Whitey be a character? Oh, my God. Y you mean from, uh... Eight Crazy Yeah. Ones. Uh... Boy, man. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he's an assist trophy. He just shows up and yes. lumbers around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Items. like They don't think oh. about them. Hmm? I yeah. just thought of a stage. Um, yeah. The stage from the Powerline concert in oh, uh, yes. the Goofy, from Goofy movie. movie. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, see, I didn't... Yeah, I think these things work better as stages because it yeah. doesn't say quirky if we just say like, oh, and Donald Duck's in this thing, right? Or Goofy or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or, or that cheese-loving Polly Shore as a character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever his name is. Yeah. Wazuski, I think. Anyway. Um, hmm. Okay, so, uh, yeah. That's my big thing. I guess also I've continued to watch My Little Pony in order to cross that off. Uh-huh. Um, it's okay. But I... <laughs> okay, it did trigger one of my pet peeves in one of these episodes. Oh. Yes. It is use of or parody of the Mission Impossible theme. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think, I think, in fact, I have an involuntary sigh whenever there's a Mission Impossible parody. In, in anything, really, but especially cartoons. Hmm. Seems they've been doing, like, remember the, uh, the arcing camera effect in the Matrix for the bullet dodge? Yeah. And that was everywhere, but at least it was everywhere for just, like, five years. <laughs> I feel like this Mission Impossible thing has gone on for decades. Well, the movies have gone on for decades. That's true. That's true. But anyway, they, yeah, they did that in one episode. Um, also, uh... 
how it said that at first it seemed like they were going to uh, start off at high velocity in uh, this season, but they really pulled back hard. Well, yeah. the episode that I just watched was one where Twilight discovers a library book that she forgot to return before going to Ponyville. You know, so. that's a fun concept. I like that idea. Yeah, it's not bad. This, but I think the show is really outstayed its welcome. Hmm. Like, probably they should have been looking to wrap it up after uh, Lauren Faust uh, left the show. Well, that was early. Yeah, but it was like season five, I think, right? I think it was before that. Was it? Well, but, I mean, like, looking to wrap it up soon after that. Like, hmm. the the battle against T-Rex probably would have been a good climax. I mean, yeah, okay, yeah. They've made some interesting decisions of what to do with the show since then. But the individual shows themselves just, you know, I, I, I feel let down a lot of the time. Like, they're, one of the episodes that I was watching, um, Rarity uh, put on her kind of like Carmen San Diego getup so that she was like a swanky sort of uh, underground figure. Okay. And she dragged along Rainbow Dash and a bowler hat to be kind of like her, her muscle. <laughs> All right. But a twist happens that uh, Fluttershy's brother is guarding something and he's got a crush on uh, on Rainbow Dash. So hmm. Rarity gives Rainbow Dash a makeover so that she could use her feminine wiles against uh, what his name is, Breezy something or other. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, but that sounds like something really fun, right? It would be I fun know, to yeah. see her try and fail. You know, or or try and fail by any standard except for the fact that he's crazy about her, right? And it actually works. Right. But they just don't go hard enough, you know, and it just feels like a bit of a waste. I so. do like the idea of Rainbow Dash being made to be kind of girly. Yes. Yeah, well, there's the irony that <laughs> in order to sex up these ponies, they... They put clothes on them, so she's got a dress, um, and then her hair is got kind of like a long updo. Mm. But yeah, I just it doesn't. Well, that whole episode kind of let me down anyway. But uh, you know, hmm. I'll we'll see where it goes. Hopefully, I get to some episodes that are just like you know ones that um, I'll look back and think, yeah, I want to I want to watch that one again, or at least think about it. Yeah. But, like you mentioning the Twilight Sparkle one, yeah. um, it immediately made me think of the episode. I think it was in season two where I think it was really early in season two, actually, where she um, didn't hadn't learned a lesson about friendship that day. And she was like desperate to solve someone's problem and figure something out. Yeah, I really liked that episode. I liked how the sun would move in ticks like it would just show the sun. It would go like and there'd be like this dramatic music sting like and the sun would just go chunk across the sky and it's like it's all very surreal and cartoony it's like oh no time is running out i like that episode a lot well it's and like you... a lot of a lot of cartoons you say that there's something for adults and i get less the sense of later my little pony episodes hmm. like hmm. i'm not getting the best out of everyone right <laughs> all the bronies are like they really made this show just for kids now well kind of you know yeah. Anyway. But, uh, yeah. 
So that's what I got. Uh, hmm. What have you been up to, Matsy? Well, what I've been up to mostly is my new job, um, oh. which has been a uh, an odd transition. Mm-hmm. I did manage to scratch and claw my way into watching one cartoon briefly. <laughs> okay. um, something that I've been wanting to watch for a while because um, the YouTube algorithms keep feeding it to me. All right. Maybe because I keep watching the clips. Yes, and you watched it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Moral Oral. Oh, okay. Um, This is a stop-motion Adult Swim thing. And the idea of it is it's set in the town of Moralton, Statesota. And it is a extremely Christian town. And it, it revolves around Oral... Um, Oral Puppington, I think his name is. A cute thing about this show is that all of the names have to do with stop motion animation somehow. Okay. Like his, his dad's name is Clay. His mom's name is Blaberta. And I think his brother's name is Shapey. Blaberta, huh? Yeah. But there's like the pastor at the church is, um, Reverend Putty. Um... There's, you know, his, his morals or oral rather oral is the character's name, oral Puppington. Uh, his friend's name is Doey. Hmm. Um, yeah, the names are pretty cute. One name that I really like is that there is a hardware store in town. Okay. And it's run by a guy named Mr. No Hammers. So it's, it's no hammers hardware store, which is covered with desperate signs imploring people that yes we have hammers it's just a name and whenever anyone is in the store you can just hear the phone ringing and him like no hammers hardware store yes yes we do it's just a name (laughs) (laughs) like just constantly (laughs) anyway the idea of this show is that everyone is super duper christian especially oral and they all completely miss the point of it or they're it's hard to let me Let me explain what happens in the first episode, and maybe that'll give you an idea of what I'm talking about here. All right. So the first episode, they go to church and the sermon is about not throwing away the gift of life. Like Lazarus didn't throw away the gift of life. He that Jesus bestowed upon him. He came back and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so. Oral starts thinking about this as him and his friend Doey are going through the graveyard and they realize, gosh, all these people just threw away the gift of life and spit in God's face. And Mm -hmm. so they go to the library where uh, the librarian is Mrs. Censored all. And Oral takes a copy of the Necronomicon so that they can raise Doey's grandfather from the dead so he isn't spitting in God's face by not being alive anymore. Uh-huh. So they dig up his grave and the smell, you know, it's like, oh, he really smells. And they decide, well, obviously, this is because he's been wearing the same underwear for years and years. So they strip the grandfather's corpse yeah. And use Necronomicon magic to bring him to life. And then the zombie grandfather 
bites a policeman's, you know, eats a policeman's brain. And they're like, oh, now the policeman is throwing away the gift of life. And there's blood all over his suit. So they take off his police uniform and it just cuts to minutes later. And there are all these naked zombies running around town. And everyone is like, oh, no. And they're getting their brains eaten and blah, blah, blah. And so then uh, Oral's dad, Clay, finds out. And I think a recurring thing in this show is for Oral to meet his father in the study. And then it just cuts to Oral pulling his pants up while his dad is, you know, tapping his hand with his belt. And Clay, Oral's dad, explains to him that nudity is a sin. And so he takes him out. And together, they clothe all the zombies. And now, nobody is afraid of the zombies anymore. Because it was the nudity that was the offensive part. They're fine with being uh, bitten and having their brains eaten by these zombies, as long as the zombies aren't naked. Because that's a sin. So, if I'm reading this right, then, this is a, uh, a farce about religion. Yes, Eh. Well, I'm down. I'll try this out. Yeah. Um, I understand that it later seasons go in dark directions. Like Hmm. you start to find out how desperately unhappy Oral's parents are. Um, there is there was a clip on YouTube that I saw, which was the scene that got moral Oral canceled. Okay. And. I don't know if I should explain what it is on the air here. Um, I will say that there is a the school nurse whose name escapes me. Nurse Bendy, I think it might be. Um, And her deal is that she's a, a really dumb blonde, right? Like she's like phenomenally stupid. Like at one point, at one point, this kid comes in and um, he's like, um, I was just wondering are you my mom? And the nurse is like, why would I be your mom? I've never even hit you. And then uh, the kid is, the kid is like, yeah, but did I come out of you? And she's like, well, maybe, but that was like 12 years ago. <laughs> um, anyway, the scene in question has to do with her and it's dark. Um, like I said, I won't, I won't go into it here in the air, but you can find it on YouTube if you want. That's a running um, theme lately. And bringing up, like I brought up Detroit middle city and then the dark stuff from, uh, uh, from ranking of Kings. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Got a dark thing every week. Well, this is, um, has to do with, uh, how can I put oh, this? Okay. <laughs> what? I, well, if you don't put it anyway, then we can just guess all kinds of terrible stuff. Yeah, um, it has to do with her coping mechanism for a trauma that happened to her earlier in her life backfiring hmm. on her. Okay. You know, we need to stay positive. Let's stay posy. Um, anyway... Yeah, moral, it's, you know, I like, 
I'm not sure what I think of the show yet, but I like the cleverness of certain aspects of it. Like, um, and the, and the total farce of religion. Like I, I remember seeing one clip where there are these two, these two families or, or another family, much like the Puppingtons. Like they're, they're almost identical, except they have a daughter instead of Oral. And, you know, Oral likes her and she likes him. Mm. And they, the two families get together for dinner and they try to say grace but they have different ways of saying grace. And so they immediately become mortal enemies. I see. Yeah. Um, is the stop motion good in it? Yes. Um, it is. If you imagine classic claymation, like, right. like not like not as crude as something from Rankin Bass. But if you think of something like, I don't know, the California Raisins. Pretty good. Yeah. It's it's actually pretty, pretty quality uh, animation. I actually quite like that part of it. It looks it. You can tell that this is stop motion, like it's not trying to it's not computer animation pretending to be stop motion or anything like that. It's like, mm. you know, Wallace and Gromit level. Sure. Stuff. I was yeah. like, I, I have a threshold for stuff like uh, ro um, uh, robot chicken. Like, oh, I can't, I can't sure. watch too much robot chicken just because it's so crude. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, this is, this is actually, this is actually pretty all right. I feel. Okay. So, yeah. Um, so that's the one thing that I managed to squeeze in between work hours. Uh, moral oral. It's, uh, dark and adult being adult swim. But if you're into that kind of thing, you could do a lot worse. Hmm. So with that said, um, is this worse or better? I don't know. Let's find out. I want to find out about sailors. Well, I want to be one. Well, okay. at least the main character in our cartoon, also called I Want to Be a Sailor, wannabes ones. Hmm. So this is directed by Fred Avery, also known as Tex, in 1937. So we begin in a birdcage where a mother parrot coaches her three children to repeat the phrase, Polly want a cracker. The first two earnest childbirds manage to say the phrase, but the third, a surly boy named Peter in a sailor's cap, insists that he wants to be a sailor like his father, whose picture is on the wall of the cage. His mother chastises him and tells him, what a good-for-nothing his father was, that he was a drunkard who ran out on the family to sail to Catalina and never came back. It strikes me right away, it's really weird, that they live in a birdcage in a house sized for humans, but back in the day, they lived in an island bungalow fashioned to their sizes. Hmm. A little weird. Interesting. So even after hearing... Uh, about his father, Peter tearfully tells that he still wants to be a sailor. Like, <laughs> yes. This makes his mother faint. And while she's unconscious, he leaves home and constructs a mighty sailing ship out of a barrel for its body and a broom for its mast. A nosy peppy duckling comes along to be the ship's crew. After hauling up a Jolly Roger flag from the label of a poison bottle, he sets sail. The sail itself is red long johns. And his chewing tobacco is a licorice stick. 
Hmm. It's actually been a while since we've seen Shaw being chewed in Animation Celery. Yeah, which is weird considering how much I remember seeing it as a boy in we cartoons, just, you know? Yeah, I guess we just don't consistently go to the 30s. <laughs> anyway, of, of all the luck, a thunderstorm sweeps in. Peter's bravado fails him. And his first mate proves equally useless because, he's, because he loves and celebrates the rain and can't grasp the danger, which is pretty funny, actually. Yeah. Uh, Peter is unable to control the ship during the horrid winds and rain. The boy's cries for help actually reach his mother back at the house on land. Anyway, the duckling was right not to fear the storm. And he's, a he's able to carry Peter back to shore but loses respect for him because he's a big sissy. <laughs> Pete's mom consoles her terrified son and tries to impress on him again that he shouldn't want to be a sailor, and through his tears, he again answers, <laughs> Yes! Causing her to faint again. <laughs> That's this cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't remember it very well. But I had some memory of it, clearly, because the title brought to mind a mouthy bird boy. <laughs> so I had at least that much. Um, this is Fred Avery before he became Tex and before he employed some of his later tricks like stone still frames for comedic effect and jump cut animations for the same, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's this more... is more traditional. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. Yes. You still have people doing things. You still have people uh, acting bizarrely, you know, mm -hmm. like <laughs> and some really funny bits like uh, where he's talking about going out to sea today. Today, and <laughs> I like Peter saying, because, because, because today I became a man. Just <laughs> crazy stuff like that. There is one thing, though. Um, oh, what is it? Dang it. The song in this thing. I'm yeah, a coming. He... I'm a coming. It's old something or other. Yeah. One of those songs that we only remember from cartoons, but does exist. I'm going to find out. Dang it. All right. Poor old Joe. That's the song. Okay. That's the song where characters will stop all of a sudden maybe they're all fred avery directed things where they'll stop and then wave their finger and go i'm a yeah. coming i always hated it that's a song that really shows its age but <laughs> speaking of music though apparently this is the first looney tune to feature the uh merrily we roll along theme really i didn't apparently. know it was that i didn't know it was that historic that's what it says that's huh. what it says on these wikis Cool. Um, however, the version I saw actually cut out the end credits, but they played during the opening credits. So I'll assume, I'll assume it bookends. Hmm. Also, also the unnamed duck might be the same one as in three other cartoons, or at least his characteristics are archetypal for Looney Tunes ducklings. Hmm. Yeah. I like that duck. I like, you know, yeah. it's a weird, he has a weird motion, like when the rain is coming and he's looking up at the sky and he like kind of not really pounds his chest, but like motions toward it. If you understand. Right. Well, it's yeah, a weird, 
it's a weird motion that like on the one hand I can picture it in my head, but on the other hand, I don't know under what circumstance I would actually do it. It's like celebrating, I guess like, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, that is kind of funny that one of them is losing his mind and the other one has no clue when the, <laughs> when an emergency happens. Yeah. But yeah, I like, I like most everything about him. And it's one of those cases where I find it astonishing for fandoms as long-lived and rabid as uh, Looney Tunes fandoms are, that he doesn't at least have a nickname. Hmm. You know, being that he is perhaps in three other cartoons. Yeah. Yeah, but, most most characters yeah. like that do get some kind of a name. Yeah, but we found that lately, right? That, that uh, Foghorn Leghorn's nemesis is Barnyard Dog. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and what was the Loopy Loops was foul mouth or that's the one foul mouth dog. Yeah. Swearing, swearing sheep dog, cussing yes. sheep dog. Yes. 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 That's the one I was trying to think of. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, talkative duck. Right. Yaki doodle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had another thought, too. So this is, you know, as I said, it's from 1937. Uh huh. And it's got that look where. Characters have pie eyes, but also they're more detailed than older pie eyes. Like they have a pupil and iris and then the, the pie reflection. Mm -hmm. And then they also have really shiny eyelids. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, if anybody, any of you stalkers have seen old cartoons, you kind of know what I'm talking about here. I think this might have been the anime eyes of the day. Right. <laughs> We're like. Artists kept one-upping each other on what kind of embellishments they could put in cell animation for a character's eyes. It's a weird thing. I wonder if there's some kind of a technical reason for it. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I think it just looks neat. And it, it's a little detail that doesn't take that much work. No, I mean, it It. It instantly dates the, the cartoon. Like, you know that it's yeah. from, you know, 1940 or before, kind of. But yeah. like, what was that one about the vegetables that I watched? The 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 great, the fresh vegetable caper yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. I think that had the kind of the same thing. Right. Um, and I'm also, or maybe I'm just picturing the onion in Cuphead, the video game. Which, you know, that game did a very good job of emulating old cartoons. <laughs> yeah, there is a cartoon that has a very clear lineage to Cuphead. Yeah. That yeah. has all the same vegetables. Yeah, anyway. Um, yes. Uh, but this cartoon, I want to be a sailor. Yeah. Um, there, got, I have some voice actor notes here. Uh, Elvia Allman, kind of interesting name. She's the mother. Mm -hmm. And also Clarabelle Cow in Disney shorts. Oh, okay. Yeah. And we get an appearance uh, from Billy Bletcher as the father who is also Pete, the bear or dog or cat in Disney cartoons. <laughs> A very recognizable voice, you know, yes, full of bluster. Yeah. So I wonder what, what kind of level of esteem this cartoon has. Probably not much. Well, we didn't see Pete Parrot again, I don't think. Mm, yeah. I don't know. You know, there's... Looney Tunes is full of these also rans that are, you know, they're decent. But how much can you do with this little 
parrot, right? I mean, you could, right. you know, he could be a an upstart troublemaker, like, you know, the hmm. the little boy who's always getting into trouble, like he sees something cool and goes off and he's like, help, help, and somebody rescues him. But then again, maybe, well, I was going to say then again, maybe that's just old, like the same joke over and over. And then I'm thinking that's kind of what cartoons did back then. I'd have rather seen an analog to him than Little Sneezer in Tiny Toons. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but I had a decently good time watching uh, I Want to Be a Sailor. Yeah. <laughs> Most, mostly for the panic during the storm. Yeah, that's the best part. Yeah. Although I did also like the... the <laughs> I, I was kind of amazed by the, the graphicness, I guess. Of just what a lout the father was. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm out of here. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of weird, like, to see it's just, like, that intense. Well, I, you know, it sounds, it, it's relatively tame, but at the same time, like, the idea of this, this drunk father just leaving, like, is kind of weird for a cartoon. I think Tex Avery just generally doesn't have a high opinion of people. <laughs> well... Okay, well, I think we can go from there to somewhere uh, quite more upbeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, China. Definitely <laughs> yes. an upbeat place. Um, so this cartoon that I watched, now, YouTube refers to this as the Song for Rain, but the title in the thing itself says the Song of Rain, Although there's also Chinese characters there, so maybe of and for have the same character. I don't mm. know. I don't know Chinese. Um, but anyway, let's because the other one is called the Song <laughs> of the Rain. Let's call Even this closer. the Song for Rain. Yeah. So this is a student work uh, by a, somebody named Zheng Yawen, and I'm sorry about my Chinese. Um. He made this in 2012 at the Communication University of China. And actually, I don't even know if it's a he. I don't know. I whatever. He they made this cartoon. Yeah. These days you don't know anyway. Yeah, well, yeah. 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 <laughs> good point. Yeah. True. That'll be that's your excuse. I don't want to misgender this person. But yeah. uh, so they created this and. Here's what it is. It opens with a rainy day in a city. I don't know what city. Everything seems to be in English, so no. Well, the style and setting is very international, I think. Yeah, I think it's designed. I think a lot of this is designed to be pretty nonspecific. I don't even know for sure the gender of the main character. It's kind of like it, the main character in Undertale. Could be either a boy or a girl. It kind of looks to me a little bit like the Canadian short The Snowman. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's a weird one. Anyway, yep. um, yeah, in this city, it is raining and a kid is happily walking along and jumping around in puddles in with his umbrella or her. I'm going to call him his because I'm just going to keep doing that. But OK, with his umbrella and his boots and stuff until he spots the very strange sight of a bipedal fox standing on the sidewalk, holding out a plastic bag. The helpful boy 
comes and puts his umbrella over the fox, but the fox is perturbed by the lack of rain falling on him. So he steps aside, and the boy tries moving the umbrella over him again, but the fox steps away again. And that's when the boy notices that the plastic bag that this fox is filling up, or that that's what the fox is doing. He's filling the plastic bag with water, except that it has a hole in it, and it's not really working that well. So the boy thinks about it and takes this fox by the hand and leads him off. The fox is a little bit hesitant, but goes along. And the two of them go to a shop where the boy tries to buy an ornate jug. The ornate jug costs $3. And the boy has a $1 coin. So this could be anywhere except America. But the $1 coin obviously is not enough. And so the boy and the fox walk dejectedly away. Uh, Then a gust of wind comes and blows over the fox and the umbrella. And the two of them notice that with the umbrella upside down, it's actually collecting water. This is what they want. And so... They just continue all over town, holding out this umbrella and collecting water in it. They shake trees to get more water. They're having a good time. They're good friends now. Hmm. They even uh, stop to play hopscotch and just let the umbrella fill itself up. Eventually, the fox seems satisfied or maybe they've just filled it up enough and the fox now leads the boy to a sort of overpass thing and excitedly uh, directs him to a the underpass part of the overpass which looking through it leads to a sunny meadow amazing it's like another world in there Hmm. the boy gives the fox his umbrella full of rain and the fox gratefully takes it away into his sunny meadow land There, we get to see the fox's house, where it is very sunny, and the flowers outside his his house, rather, are not doing well. That's what the fox needed the water for, to water the flowers. The next day, the rain has stopped when the boy wakes up, and he is excited to go and check out that meadow where the fox lived. He heads on back to the very same place, but he finds that the meadow isn't there anymore. It's just more city. And now he, 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 he tries walking over to see if he can get, you know, see what he saw yesterday, but it just doesn't work. It's just not there anymore. Sadly, the boy walks back home, but then as he's walking and dejectedly kicks a can, he notices paw prints on the ground leading towards his house. Excited, he heads over there and he finds on his patio, I guess, on the table, the borrowed umbrella returned along with a flower in a vase. And that's basically the end. Hmm. So I was really impressed with this as a student project. Yeah. First of all, the backgrounds of it look like they're drawn on canvas. Yeah, it's it's a really good look. It's a really cool effect. And it's not like the effect that you sometimes see in cartoons where it's a filter that's laid over it. And as things move, 
like the filter doesn't. Do you know what I mean? I do. This one. And, hmm? Yeah, it could be that they actually did actually, you know, did make these uh, backgrounds. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like, you know, there are some places where you can see the shortcuts being made, like the boy at the beginning. There's a scene of him walking and he kind of bobs back and forth and you can sort of yeah, see yeah. that that one object is being moved instead of sure animated but on the whole like the art style of this is really good the animation is very good um you know what's really pro hmm? what's that you know what's really nice and professional the yeah. music mm. yes yeah it's um this is silent there's no speech in it but mm. um yeah it's it's cool music um yeah it's this is a really impressive student project. Um, just a really impressive bit of animation on its own. Uh, I do have a question. Like, if you don't think about it, it's fine. But uh -huh. the fox's house is just like a human house. Yes. So it seems weird to me that it doesn't have running water in it anyway. But even weirder that he didn't have something better than a plastic bag to catch water. But anyway. Hmm. Yeah. Well, at the same time, like there's scenes like, you know, he's as they're walking along, the fox gets distracted at one point by a drain pipe. Oh, okay. so I wonder how used to modern technology this fox is like, yes, he's got a house. But is that yeah. all? Like, is, maybe is the just... inside of the house is just dirt and sticks. And yeah, like... yeah, yeah, yeah. This this is produced by um, CUC Anima. Mm hmm. You should check out their YouTube. They have a bunch of really short trailers to other things they've produced. And okay. some of them are really neat. Hmm. Okay. I haven't checked them out yet, but uh, these various other things, but uh, a lot of uh, an eclectic bunch of 2D animated stuff. That sounds promising. Hmm. I would watch more of this kind of thing. Hmm. Uh... Not really sure what else there is to say about it, because you can't talk about voice actors. You can't talk about what this director has done since. I suppose I could no, have okay. kind of looked it it's up. A, but... It's just, it's a lovely thing. Yeah, it is a it's lovely gonna... thing. It's a neat little story. I like, I love the character design so much. Like, yeah. the fox looks so great. The boy looks so great. There's a little bird that recurs, and he's awesome. There's a cat yeah. on a on a wall that, like, its tail swishes around, and it yawns, and it's, like... I guess oh, another the, thing even, I could I could I mm. could liken this look to uh, the Little Prince. Sure. Looks a little bit like yeah. Yes. Like that. Even little details like at the beginning, as the boys jump through puddles, there's a frog at one point, mm -hmm. and the frog just kind of looks at the like its eyes dart around, and then when it notices the boy, it jumps away. Like, sure. Just a little detail like that. Yeah, and Tremendous. a pretty well designed city too. Yes. Backgrounds yeah. all nice. Yeah. No, this is good stuff. Um, I really like this. I really like this short. Um, cool. Now, hmm. Did you really like the other short that I gave you? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's Splash or S-P-L-A-S-H. That is short for Sea, Pond, Lake and Stream Headwaters. And just like you alluded to last week. It's in the same military font as MASH. So this is written and directed by Michael Mills in 1980. But trust me, 
there's still a lot of 1970s in this production. <laughs> so we begin in a storm cloud where personified rain droplets are being debriefed by their military chief. He's so distinct because he always has arms and legs, a commander's cap, and an outlandish red mustache. Their sortie is to condense to fall's rain and then roll over a heavily populated watershed and eventually to a lake. Though mysterious bugs will aid them, and that's good because beasties and unknown nasties will threaten the mission. Uh, many droplets are guaranteed not to make it. They manage to fall to the ground, despite the chief being detoured through a jet engine. Uh, once down, the droplets are polluted by a passing crop duster. Now this cartoon personifies all their challenges, so the chemicals are little cloud monsters. Mm-hmm. Our soldiers escape through the soil and become cleansed by the underground waters. This calls into question for me. They're water, but they're in water. And that water doesn't appear to be made of thinking individuals. Yeah, don't think about it too much, I guess. <laughs> I guess not, no. I guess it's like how in Cells at Work, they're blood, but they also bleed? Anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, the chief rouses the otherwise content droplets to rise from their little underground paradise and spring up from the ground to join a stream. They don't find the expected wilderness and rather flood someone's house. They pass through an electrical outlet and then a pipe to escape the house. Oil and salt beasties assault them outside of the house. But the chief's bugle summons microscopic bugs to fight their enemies. In payment, the droplets oxygenate to feed the bugs. The group flows then through a floodgate. They pass through the gills of a fish. As they get their bearings, they lose some of their numbers to evaporation. The chief becomes drunk and mustard-hued from the liquid of a discarded beer bottle. Nonetheless, he leads them in a fight against the nasties, purple pathogens emitted from local factories and plants that dump their waste into the stream. The droplet battalion escapes down a drain pipe and gets purified of their nasty splats <laughs> at a water treatment center. They end up, this is crazy. Okay, so they end up in a household sink with little soap monsters that aggressively eat food from dishes. I guess if you're familiar with the way things look in the 70s, all this sounds sensible. Anyway, um, the chief and a few soldiers get separated into a glass of water and then swallowed by a human. In the darkness, they're converted to urine and get deposited into a toilet with some brown guys. <laughs> <laughs> Reckon, looked, if you will, what those are. It looked to me like... They were just in the toilet by themselves, and once it got flushed, they joined up with the pipe that had the soap monsters in it. Maybe. That makes sense. Okay. Um, anyway, a filtration system purifies the droplets back to their pure color, and it's out another pipe and into more polluted waters. Droplets and bugs get in the mother of all battles 
against a menagerie of horrid beasties and nasties. Then a couple of nasties merge into a new enemy. Few droplets escape to the surface, uh, out of the water. Though the chief appeared to meet his end, he escaped the polluted lake as well. By the Padre's prayer, the droplets evaporate and scrub the mission. A couple managed to carry the sickened chief with them back up to the storm cloud. But there's no rest for the weary chief. Despite his trauma, he falls through the cloud again, along with his droplet soldiers, to immediately sortie once more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know how educational this movie is. This is <laughs> but maybe for a really little kid, this is just about the right amount of understanding to remain engaging and entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. Did you remember this thing? Um, parts of it, like going into it, I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure they turn into pee at some point. <laughs> and then I did. Yeah. When they when the Padre is praying, I remember yeah. thinking, oh, he's going to end by going, thank you. Yeah. And he, he did. Both the things you, you told me, I just remembered very, very little. I do remember them commenting about the nasties mm -hmm. when they're approaching from the from the plants. But uh, I think it's stuff that I remembered as it happened. Like, right. Is he saying, you know, he's saying like, come on, have it. Let's have you. Yeah, yeah dirty. Yeah. And like, I, I kind of remember him saying those. I mean, I can't remember it now. <laughs> yeah. But um, <laughs> it's sort of it, it's it was familiar. That's OK. OK. Let's say that. Yes. The. Uh, microscopic bestiary is full of all kinds of weird little organisms, diseases and whatever. Mm. Um, and it reminds me a little bit of the spooks inside the Grinch's paraphernalia wagon in <laughs> Halloween is Grinch night. <laughs> Just anything goes. Yeah. Yeah. I it's remember, actually pretty violent. <laughs> I remember thinking of the bugs as literal bugs. And so there's these, these green ones with ears and eyelashes and things. Right. And I remember trying to think of what insects those are. Right. And obviously, it's just some kind of, I don't know, bacteria or whatever. But uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Didn't do a great job, job describing that. Yeah. Um, but I remember as a kid thinking, like, what are those? The uh, the voice actor from this, who is not the writer and director, Vlasta Vrana, which is a great name. Hmm. Is the chief, I think, and also the narrator from the mysterious cities of gold. Hmm. I, th I think especially our uh, international listenership. Well, except it would have different. It would have been a different voice for them. Hmm. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting though. Yeah. I was thinking like the 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 voices of the droplets is so high and squeaky. Yeah, I was I'm trying to think now of who I thought it was going to be. Like there was some voice actor, some Canadian cartoon, like the raccoons or something. Oh, yes, yes. I played that game before the credits, too, yeah. where I thought, is the chief Dan Hennessy kind of off his game? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But interesting, definitely in. I would say it's one of your niches, this kind of 70s looking stuff. 
Yeah. This uh, Sesame Street sort of era <laughs> animation. Yeah, you know, one of those like... Yeah, I'm sure that um, some board put a bunch of money in front of Michael Mills and said, we need you to make something about water. Like they... Right. The life... The life cycle of water and the effect that humans are having on it. Like the idea that, oh, the trees will slow us down. Wait, there are no trees. What are these houses doing here? Or wait, why are we stopping? Oh, there's a dam now. Right. And all this pollution, like every, every nothing is the way the chief remembers it because humans have changed the environment so much. And, you know, 1980, that's exactly the kind of thing that they were pushing real hard on. Well, it's NFB. I mean, I would have enjoyed this between... Super Channel movies more than than uh, what was it? The little old lady who lived in the shoe uh, camping safety. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah, that thing. Wow. I prefer this to that. (laughs) I forgot about that cartoon. Jeez. (laughs) Well, a a future episode, perhaps. In the meanwhile, why don't we bring everything down several notches? Yeah. um, There's another Chinese one. Uh, this is, I believe, tw- uh, 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, this one is called The Song of the Rain, <laughs> much like the last one was, I guess. Hmm. Um, so this one is made by Hezmon Animation. And, you know, I, the first half of this is pretty easy to describe, where it's this, This male student in the rain in China who has an umbrella and there's a female student who is caught uh, under a, I don't know if it it would be called a pagoda in Japan. A gazebo thing, yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't have an umbrella. And so, you know, the boy walks and stands next to her and the two of them politely try to ignore each other. Um, And then the boy sets down his umbrella, runs off and points to the points the girl to the fact that he left his umbrella behind and she kind of chases after him a little bit, but, uh, and it's, you know, a romance cliche. They, they obviously strike up a romance. You know, there's scenes Mm. of them like getting their picture taken together and all this kind of thing. And then it gets, uh, really, what's the word? Not surreal, but it's like, it's not as straightforward a narrative, really. Um, it kind of is. It's got a fake out to it. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't tell everything in order. It sh- it shows you a thing that kind of fakes you out and then fills in the parts in between. Yeah, it's it basically um, it's World War Two where Japan is invading China. And the boy is a soldier in the Chinese army repelling the Japanese invaders. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know what happened here. Like, I think the the boy, like his, the house that he lived in with the girl got bombed and she died or... He got shot. I, you know, I guess maybe it's, you it's a, have it's a, a be- fake out. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a fake out. OK, so it's it sets it up to where you see the neighborhood they're in and you see that house collapse. And then there's the photograph that they shared 
right. you know, flutters down to the ground and it's got blood on it. Yes. So you think it's her, but then they fill in the details. By the end, it's actually him. That mm-hmm. he's the one who got, who got, uh, he was, he was helping out a soldier and a bomb, uh, struck him or the debris from a bomb struck him. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a fake out. I guess, I guess it didn't play for you in terms of, but I guess. Hmm. I, I found the story of this really hard to follow. Um, okay. I also have to say, especially coming off of that other cartoon. Yes. This one, the backgrounds, the, the, the inanimate objects in it. Yes. Are very well done. Oh, like just very kind of amazing. Well, like, oh, kind yeah. Of, like the flower for, at the beginning with a butterfly on it and like, yeah, all the plant life and everything. Well, Great. even the volume, the, the, the amount of scope for yeah. something this short, yes. like they go fly a kite. That's a whole nother scene in a whole nother place. Yeah. 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 But the human characters. A little wooden. You know what I'm saying? They, th- as I was watching the boy walking around, my yeah. first thought was. These are NPCs in a Pokemon game in a cutscene. Yeah. Like they move like video game characters. They look, there is a scene where there's water, like raindrops falling on the girl's hand. It does not yeah. look natural at all. Uh, the hmm. color of their skin doesn't look natural. I think the, the human characters just aren't, I mean, it's done better than I could do, but at the same time, I don't think it's done that well. Um, and I think it it's animated really bit. stiffly. Yeah. But like, so that's the main takeaway for me. All the inanimate objects. Fantastic. Hmm. Like whoever, whoever did that, just great job. Um, but the story was too hard to follow and the human characters looked like trash in my opinion. So like, I, <laughs> Fair enough. Fair I guess enough. it's, you know, this is apparently a true story. Um, that happened in China. Yeah. And I'm sure it is because, you know, in a war but situation, every story you can imagine is probably true. Well, there's not, the details are pretty vague. This could be anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this one did not really play that well for me. Um, mm. my big takeaway was there's a great background designer here who probably has a great career in video games coming up. But other than that, <laughs> eh, I don't know. Hmm. I I liked the other one a lot more. Fair enough. And I, I pretty much expected you would. I guess you know, another thing you could say that is up there with the um, the background details would be the music. Again, music's very good in this. It, that is true. Yes. Um, there is a literal song of rain. Um hmm. Lyrics by Li Hang Chen. Music by Kazuyo Ka, uh, Kazu Kazu Lin. Lin. Yeah. And the sing, sung by a woman named Yiko J. Hmm. Um, so it sounds really like a mix of Japanese and Chinese here. To some sure. extent. Um, which, you know, when you consider the subject matter of the thing is pretty cool. Well, um, yeah, you know, China's a big country too, right? That's true. It's it's, it, it's like in the way Canada's full of a whole lot of different people, right? It's like mm, I yes. work with somebody who's ethnically Chinese, but he's from Mongolia. 
Um, mm. I have worked with another guy who's Chinese, and I thought, his accent is weird, man. <laughs> and it was because he was an English teacher from Calcutta. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I mean, the world is less homogenous than, than we think, right? It resembles, you know, more like Canada and America than, than we think. But Sure. I mean, you know, not to go into too much personal detail, but your background is pretty... Sure. Mixed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this studio, um, uh, this is the first thing they made, and they haven't really made much since. I don't know if they're still functioning or what. Their, their site, their last post was 2020. Hmm. And you might be interested to have a look. They, they made a music video of sorts. Like, a music... <laughs> No fantastical elements. It's just like some musicians on a stage with an audience, right? Oh, okay. Okay. So they, yeah. So they've just done that and there's like a singer and a guitar player and you can see a pretty sizable leap in their character animation hmm. at that okay. point. Um, the project that they, they talk about, another short they mentioned in 2018 called The Grey Apple. But like I said, the last post was 2020, so... Who knows how many years mm. they're spending on this short or if it's still going or what. But mm. So it looks like four up and four down rain themed shorts. OK, and maybe it won't be rainy next week. Maybe. So a little birdie on Twitter named Edion wondered what we would think about SWAT cats. And I confess I didn't watch it very much when it was on. I don't know that I have ever seen a single episode. Okay, well, we're going to find out what we think about SWAT cats. Yeah, um, we're what we're going to do, you know, sometimes we'll take a deep dive into a cartoon like this, uh, like we did with the bots master. And <laughs> we're going to do that here. We are. But we're not going to do like the first four episodes. We're going to no. try something different this time. We're going to do the first episode. And then we're going to look at the top three episodes as determined at episode ninja. And I guess if the first episode is one of those top three, then we'll go to the fourth one. It isn't. But here's a question. Okay. Should we watch them chronologically rather than their rating? I think so, just in case there's uh, callbacks. Okay. So with that in mind, the episodes we're going to watch are season one, episode one, naturally. The past master always rings twice. Hmm. Not not very far for the next one. Season one, episode three, The Wrath of Dark Cat. Then season two, episode seven, The Deadly Pyramid. Hmm. And we'll finish up with season two, episode 11, The Dark Side of the Swat Cats. Oh. I know. We'll, we'll go on a journey, it feels like. Yeah, really? Well, we'll see. We'll see when we get there. We'll see the heroes become the villains. Right. Um, so look forward to that. Uh, in the meantime, let us know what you think of the show. And maybe there is an old Looney Tune that we should look at or a little known Chinese short. You can tell me at Drab Swatch on the Twitters. You can also tell me at AC Matsy on Twitter. I will listen or read anything that you show me. Unless it somehow gets marked as a spam. I don't know. But anyway... It is now time for the Song of the Rain. I mean, the Celery Stalker slogan. 
Thank you.